Comedian Kathleen Madigan has a stand-up special entitled Bothering Jesus, which is named after a joke of hers about her own Catholic upbringing and how nuns taught her to pray to her guardian angel and a series of saints before bothering Jesus. While we as Anabaptists may not have had the experience of learning to pray to anyone other than the triune God, we can probably identify with the feeling that our prayers are audacious in nature, that we are trying to get something in a way that is not appropriate, and we are bothering Jesus. Today's scripture challenges us to push past this feeling. Those of us with more evangelical backgrounds may have grown up with encouragement not only to pray to Jesus, but to think of him as a friend who we might invite over for coffee or with whom we might watch Kathleen Madigan's Bothering Jesus. In doing so, we may lose the reverence with which we regard the literal God of the universe. Today's scripture also challenges us to push past this. Our first scripture in Genesis is the story of how Jacob became Israel. It's a pretty cool story if you are not terribly worried about deriving much meaning from it. Uh, once you want to derive meaning, uh, which is what we will do here, it gets a bit hairy, much like Esau. In both the Old and New Testaments, especially in Genesis, the Gospels, and Acts, uh, the changing of a person's nature is reflected in the changing of their name. Uh, so that is perhaps a clue here. Also, this story is tied to what Genesis tells us about Jacob previously. He was born holding his twin Esau's heel, and then, through a variety of tricks and schemes, he tricked his way into receiving Esau's birthright and blessing before running away into hiding. Jacob was a pretty audacious guy. He did not seem to care about what was appropriate when he tried to get what he wanted. This is the same Jacob that, much later, wrestled with God. On its face, this story also seems to suggest that the God of the universe is bad at wrestling and needs to cheat. <laughs> I prefer to think that God was making a point of who Jacob was and what he would do with him. Even after God threw Jacob's hit, hit, uh, hip out of joint, Jacob held on to God much as he held onto Esau's heel coming out of the womb and insisted that God bless him. Now, it isn't entirely clear if in this moment Jacob knew that the man that he was wrestling with was God, but it appears that he at least knew and respected that the man he was wrestling with was capable of materially blessing him. And injured as he was, he refused to let go without a blessing. It was at this point that God changed Jacob's name to Israel. In reverence, Israel named the place Penuel. 
When Jacob became Israel, he did not lose his audacity, but he gained reverence for God. The passage from Isaiah is about a different Israel, one that was primarily called Judah and was coming out of exile from Babylon. This people had been humbled by military defeat and capture, but had learned to lean on and revere the God of their ancestors. They needed to be coaxed, not into an attitude of recognizing and honoring God, but into one of being willing to ask and receive from God. Finally, we arrive at the feeding of the 5,000. A crowd of people had the audacity to pursue teaching and healing from Jesus. They knew that they were away from any place where they could obtain food, and they knew that Jesus had been trying to find some time alone. Yet they had the audacity to to pursue and revere Jesus. And Jesus honored that audacity by miraculously feeding them. These passages remind me a bit of the story of Jesus letting the children come to him and saying that nobody can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they become like a child. I have heard people say that Jesus was referring to childlike belief, that uh, you know, children just believe without questioning, and that's what God is calling us to. First, this is an incredibly controlling approach to religion. The people who say this are probably either themselves, at least, okay, maybe that's a bit strong, but it seems to come from a place of maybe these people themselves being a little bit controlled or maybe kind of wanting to control other people. Second, I'm not entirely sure if the people who say this have ever met a child. Kids ask a lot of questions. The thing is, kids have the audacity to ask whatever questions they have. And their questions are typically a sign of respect. They ask questions of people whom they trust for answers. And this is the combination of reverence and audacity to which these scriptures call us.